Hello. This is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion syllabus in Jesner v. Arab Bank. Certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. Argued October 11, 2017. Decided April 24, 2018. Petitioners filed suits under the Alien Torts Statute, alleging that they, or the persons on whose behalf they assert claims, were injured or killed by terrorist acts committed abroad, and that those acts were in part caused or facilitated by respondent Arab Bank, a Jordanian financial institution with a branch in New York. They seek to impose liability on the bank for the conduct of its human agents, including high-ranking bank officials. They claim that the bank used its New York branch to clear dollar-denominated transactions that benefited terrorists through the Clearinghouse Interbank Payment System, CHIPS and to launder money for a Texas-based charity allegedly affiliated with Hamas. While the litigation was pending, this court held in Kyobel v. Royal Dutch Petroleum that the ATS does not extend to suits against foreign corporations when all the relevant conduct took place outside of the United States. But it left unresolved the Second Circuit Court's broader holding in its Kyobel decision that foreign corporations may not be sued under the ATS. Deeming that broader holding binding precedent, the district court dismissed petitioner's ATS claims and the Second Circuit affirmed. The Supreme Court held the judgment is affirmed. Justice Kennedy delivered the opinion of the court with respect to parts 1, 2B1, and 2C concluding that foreign corporations may not be defendants in suits brought under the ATS. The Judiciary Act of 1789 included what is now known as the ATS, as the ATS, which provides the district courts shall have original jurisdiction of any civil action by any alien for a tort only, committed in violation of the law of nations or a treaty of the United States. It's 28 U.S.C. 1350. The ATS is strictly jurisdictional and does not by its own terms provide or delineate the definition of a cause of action for international law violations. See SOSA. It was enacted against the backdrop of general common law, which in 1789 recognized a limited category of torts in violation of the law of nations. And one of its principal objectives was to avoid foreign entanglements by ensuring the availability of a federal forum where the failure to have one might cause another nation to hold the United States responsible for an injury to a foreign citizen. The ATS was invoked but a few times over its first 190 years. But with the evolving recognition, e.g. the Nuremberg trials, that certain crimes against humanity violate basic precepts of international law, Courts began to give some redress for violations of clear and unambiguous international human rights protections. After the Second Circuit first permitted plaintiffs to bring ATS actions based on modern human rights law, Congress enacted the Torture Victims Protect Protection Act of 1991, TVPA, creating an express cause of action for victims of torture and extrajudicial killing in violation of international law. ATS suits became more frequent and modern. ATS litigation has the potential to involve groups of foreign plaintiffs suing foreign corporations 
in the United States for alleged human rights violations in other nations. In Sosa, the court held that in certain narrow circumstances, courts may recognize a common law cause of action for claims based on the present-day law of nations. But it explicitly held that ATS litigation implicates a series of separation of powers and foreign relations concerns. The court subsequently held in Kyobel that the presumption against extraterritoriality applies to ATS claims, and that even claims that touch and concern the territory of the United States must do so with sufficient force to displace that presumption. SOSA is consistent with this court's general reluctance to extend judicially created private rights of action. Recent precedents cast doubt on court's authority to extend or create private causes of action, even in the realm of domestic law. Rather than leaving such decisions to the legislature, which is better positioned to consider if the public interest would be served by imposing a new substantive legal liability, see Ziegler, this caution extends to the question whether the courts should exercise judicial authority to mandate a rule imposing liability upon artificial entities like corporations. Thus, in Correctional Services Corp. v. Malesko, the court concluded that Congress, not the courts, should decide whether corporate defendants could be held liable in actions under Bivens. Neither the language of the ATS nor precedent supports an exception to those general principles in this context. Separation of powers concerns that counsel against courts creating private rights of action apply with particular force in the context of the ATS, which implicates foreign policy concerns that are the province of the political branches. And courts must exercise great caution before recognizing new forms of liability under the ATS. See SOSA. The question whether a proper application of SOSA would preclude courts from ever recognizing new ATS causes of action need not be decided here. For either way, it would be inappropriate for courts to extend ATS liability to foreign corporations, absent further action from Congress. The ATS was intended to promote harmony in international relations by ensuring foreign plaintiffs a remedy for international law violations when the absence of such a remedy might provoke foreign nations to hold the United States accountable. But here, and in similar cases, the opposite is occurring. Petitioners are foreign nationals seeking millions of dollars in damages from a major Jordanian financial institution for injuries suffered in attacks by foreign terrorists in the Middle East. The only alleged connections to the United States are the CHIPS transaction in Arab Bank's New York branch and a brief allegation about a charity in Texas. At a minimum, the relatively minor connection between the terrorist attacks and the alleged conduct in the United States illustrates the perils of extending the scope of ATS liability to foreign multinational corporations like Arab Bank. For 13 years, This litigation has caused considerable diplomatic tensions with Jordan, a critical ally that considers the litigation an affront to its sovereignty. And this is not the first time that a foreign sovereign has raised objections to the ATS litigation in this court. See Sosa. These are the very foreign relations tensions the first Congress sought to avoid. 
nor are the courts well suited to make the required policy judgments implicated by foreign corporate liability. Like the presumption against extraterritoriality, judicial caution under SOSA guards against our courts triggering serious foreign policy consequences, and instead defers such decisions, quite appropriately, to the political branches. Kyobel. Accordingly, the court holds that foreign corporations may not be defendants in suits brought under the ATS. Before recognizing an ATS common law action, federal courts must apply the two-part test announced in SOSA. The threshold question is whether the plaintiff can demonstrate that the alleged violation is of a norm that is specific, universal, and obligatory. Assuming that such a norm can control, it must be determined whether allowing the case to proceed under the ATS is a proper exercise of judicial discretion, or whether caution requires the political branches to grant specific authority before corporate liability can be imposed. With regard to the first social question, the court need not resolve whether corporate liability is a question governed by the international law or whether that law imposes liability on corporations because, as shown by the parties opposing arguments, there is at least sub sufficient doubt on the point to turn to Sosa's second question, whether the judiciary must defer to Congress to determine, in the first instance, whether that universal norm has been recognized, and if so, whether it should be enforced in ATS suits. Especially here, in the realm of international law, it is important to look at analogous statutes for guidance on the appropriate boundaries of judge-made causes of action. The logical statutory analogy for an ATS common law action is the TVPA, the only ATS cause of action created by Congress rather than the courts. Drafted as an unambiguous and modern basis for an ATS cause of action, the TVPA reflects Congress's considered judgment of the proper structure for such an action. Absent a compelling justification, the court should not deviate from that model. Relevant here, the TVPA limits liability to individuals, a term which unambiguously limits liability to natural persons. See Muhammad versus Palestinian Authority. Congress's decision to execute liability for corporations in TVP exclude liability for corporations in TVPA actions is all but dispositive in this case. Other considerations relevant to the exercise of judicial discretion also counsel against allowing liability under the ATS for foreign corporations absent congressional instructions. Corporate liability under the ATS has not been shown to be essential to serving that statute's goals. The ATS will seldom be the only way for plaintiffs to hold perpetrators liable, and plaintiffs still can sue the individual corporate employees responsible for a violation of international law under the ATS. That the corporate form can be an instrument for inflicting grave harm and suffering poses serious and complex questions for the international community and for Congress. This complexity makes it all the more important that Congress determine whether victims of human rights abuses may sue foreign corporations in federal court. In making its determination, Congress might decide that violations of international law do or should impose that liability to ensure that corporations make every effort to deter human rights violations. 
and so that compensation for injured persons will be a cost of doing business. Or, Congress could conclude that neutral judicial safeguards may not be ensured in every country that, as a reciprocal matter, ATS liability for foreign corporations should be subject to some limitations or preconditions. Finally, Congress might find that corporate liability should be limited to cases where corporations' management was actively complicit in the crime. Justice Alito concluded that the outcome in this case is justified, not only by judicial caution, but also by separation of powers. Assuming Sosa correctly held that federal courts exercising the authority in limited circumstances to make federal common law may create causes of action under the ATS, this court should not create such causes of action against foreign corporate defendants. The objective for courts, in any case, requiring the creation of federal common law, must be to find the rule that will best effectuate federal policy. See Textile Workers versus Lincoln Mills of Alabama. The first Congress enacted the ATS to help the United States avoid diplomatic friction. Putting that objective together with the rules governing federal common law generally, the following principle emerges. Federal courts should decline to create federal common law causes of action whenever doing so would not materially advance the ATS's objective of avoiding diplomatic strife. Applying that principle here, it's clear that the courts should not create causes of action under the ATS against foreign corporate defendants. Customarily, international law does not generally, generally require corporate liability, so declining to create it under the ATS cannot give other nations just cause for complaint against the United States. To the contrary, creating causes of action against foreign corporations under the ATS may instead provoke exactly the sort of diplomatic strife in a missile to this statute's fi fundamental purpose. Justice Gorsuch concluded that there are two more fundamental reasons why this lawsuit should be dismissed. This court has suggested that Congress originally enacted the ATS to afford federal courts jurisdiction to hear tort claims related to three violations of international law that were already embodied in English common law. Violations of safe conducts extended to aliens, interference with ambassadors, and piracy. Sosa. Here, the plaintiffs seek much more. They want the federal court to recognize a new cause of action, one that did not exist at the time of the statute's adoption, one that Congress has never authorized. They find support in a passage, passage suggesting that the ATS may afford federal judges discretion to consider creating new causes of action. If they rest on the norm of international character accepted by the civilized world and defined with specificity comparable to the features of the three specified 18th century torts, this is doubtful for the people's elected representatives, not judges, to make the laws that govern them. But even accepting Sosa's framework, a proper application of that framework would preclude courts from recognizing any new causes of action under the ATS. When courts are confronted with a request to fashion new cause, cause of action, separation of powers principles are, or should be, central to the analysis. See Ziegler versus Apazi. The first and most important question is whether Congress or the courts should decide, and the right answer most often will be Congress. There is no reason to make special exception for the ATS, 
which was designated as a jurisdictional statute, creating no new causes of action. The context in which any SOSA discretion would be exercised confirms the wisdom of restraint. The practical consequences that might follow a decision to create a new ATS cause of action would likely involve questions of foreign affairs and national security, matters implicating the expertise and authority, not of the judiciary, but of the political branches. Another independent problem is that this suit is by foreigners against the foreigner over the meaning of international norms. The original understanding of the ATS, which was but one clause in a in one section of the Judiciary Act of 1789, likely would have required a domestic defendant in order to comply with the requirements of diversity of citizenship clause of Article 3. The precedent interpreting a neighboring provision of the Judiciary Act confirms that conclusion. See Mossman versus Higginson. In any event, separation of powers limits on the judicial function and deference to the political branches should lead federal courts to require a domestic defendant before agreeing to exercise any social-generated discretion to entertain an ATS suit. Justice Kennedy announced the judgment of the court and delivered the opinion of the court with respects to Parts 1, 2B1, and 2C, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch joined and an opinion with respect to parts 2A, 2B2, 2B3, and 3, which Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Thomas joined. Justice Thomas filed a concurring opinion. Justice Alito and Gorsuch filed opinions concurring in part and concurring in the judgment. Justice Sotomayor filed a dissenting opinion in which Justices Ginsburg, Breyer, and Kagan joined. Thank you for listening.